Chapter Five of Uncle's Dream by Fedor Dostoevsky, translated by Frederick Weishaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Ritchie, Florida. Chapter Five. Nastasha Petronova, I think you had better go and see what is doing in the kitchen observed maria alexandrovna as she returned from seeing the prince off i'm sure that rascal nikitka will spoil the dinner probably he's drunk already the widow obeyed as the latter left the room she glanced suspiciously at maria alexandrovna and observed that the latter was in a high state of agitation therefore instead of going to look after nikitka she went through the salon along the passage to her own room and through that to a dark box-room where the old clothes of the establishment and such things were stored there she approached the locked door on tiptoe and stifling her breath she bent to the keyhole through which she peeped and settled herself to listen intently this door which was always kept shut was one of the three doors communicating with the room where maria alexandrovna and zina were now left alone maria alexandrovna always considered nastasia an untrustworthy sort of woman although extremely silly into the bargain of course she had suspected the widow more than once of eavesdropping but it so happened that at the moment madame moskaleva was too agitated and excited to think of the usual precautions she was sitting in her armchair and gazing at zina zina felt that her mother was looking at her and was conscious of an unpleasant sensation at her heart zina zina slowly turned her head towards the speaker and lifted her splendid dark eyes to hers zina i wish to speak to you on a most important matter zina adopted an attentive air and sat still with folded hands waiting for light in her face there was an expression of annoyance as well as irony which she did her best to hide i wish to ask you first zina what you thought of that moskeliakoff to-day you have known my opinion of him for a long time replied zina surly yes yes of course but i think he is getting just a little too troublesome with his continual bothering you oh but he says he is in love with me in which case his importunity is pardonable strange you used not to be so ready to find his offences pardonable you used to fly out at him if ever i mentioned his name strange too that you always defended him and were so very anxious that i should marry him and now you are the first to attack him yes i don't deny zina that i did wish then to see you married to Moskaliakoff. It was painful to me to witness your continual grief, your sufferings, which I can well realize, whatever you may think to the contrary, and which deprived me of my rest at night. I determined at last that there was but one great change of life that would ever save you from the sorrows of the past, and that change was matrimony. We are not rich, we cannot afford to go abroad, all the asses in the place prick their long ears and wonder that you should be unmarried at twenty-three years old 
and they must needs invent all sorts of stories to account for the fact as if i would marry you to one of our wretched little town councillors or to ivan ivanovitch the family lawyer there are no husbands for you in this place zina of course paul moskeliakoff is a silly sort of a fellow but he is better than these people here he is fairly born at least and he has one hundred and fifty serfs and landed property all of which is better than living by bribes and corruption and goodness knows what jobbery besides as these do and that is why i allowed him my eyes to rest on him but i give you my solemn word i never had any real sympathy for him and if providence has sent you someone better now oh my dear girl how fortunate that you have not given your word to moskeliakoff you didn't tell him anything for certain to-day did you zina what is the use of beating about the bush when the whole thing lies in a couple of words said zina with some show of annoyance beating about the bush zina is that the way to speak to your mother but when am i you've long ceased to trust to your poor mother you've long looked upon me as your enemy and not as your mother at all oh come mother you and i are beyond quarrelling about an expression surely we understand one another by now it is about time we did anyhow but you offend me my child you will not believe that i am ready to devote all all i can give in order to establish your destiny on a safe and happy footing zina looked angrily and sarcastically at her mother would not you like to marry me to this old prince now in order to establish my destiny on a safe and happy footing i have not said a word about it but as you mentioned the fact i will say that if you were to marry the prince it would be a very happy thing for you and oh well i consider the idea utter nonsense cried the girl passionately nonsense humbug and what's more i think you have a good deal too much poetical inspiration mamma you are a woman poet in the fullest sense of the term and they call you by that name here you are always full of projects and the impracticability and absurdity of your ideas does not in the least discourage you i felt when the prince was sitting here that you had had that notion in your head when moskeliakoff was talking nonsense there about marrying the old man to somebody i read all your thoughts in your face i am ready to bet any money that you are thinking of it now that you have come to me now about this very question however as your perpetual projects on my behalf are beginning to weary me to death i must beg you not to say one word about it not one word mamma do you hear me not one word and i beg you will remember what i say she was panting with rage you are a child zina a poor sorrow-worn sick child said maria alexandrovna in tearful accents you speak to your poor mother disrespectfully you wound me deeply my dear there is not another mother in the world who would have borne what i have to bear from you every day but you are suffering you are sick you are sorrowful and i am your mother and first of all i am a christian woman i must bear it all and forgive it but one word zina if i had really thought of the union you suggest why would you consider it so impracticable and absurd in my opinion moskeliakoff has never said a wiser thing than he did to-day when he declared that marriage 
was what alone could save the prince not of course marriage with that slovenly slut nastasia there he certainly did make a fool of himself now look here mamma do you ask me this out of pure curiosity or with design tell me the truth all i ask is why does it appear to you to be so absurd good heavens mother you'll drive me wild what a fate cried zina stamping her foot with impatience i'll tell you why if you cannot see for yourself not to mention all the other evident absurdities of the plan to take advantage of the weakened wits of a poor old man and deceive him and marry him an old cripple in order to get hold of his money and then every day and every hour to wish for his death is in my opinion not only nonsense but so mean so mean mamma that i i can't congratulate you on your brilliant idea that's all i can say there was silence for one minute zina do you remember all that happened two years ago asked maria alexandrovna of a sudden zina trembled mamma she said severely you promised me solemnly never to mention that again and i ask you now as solemnly my dear child to allow me to break that promise just once i have never broken it before zina the time has come for a full and clear understanding between us these two years of silence have been terrible we cannot go on like this i am ready to pray you on my knees to let me speak listen zina your own mother who bore you beseeches you on her knees and i promise you faithfully zina and solemnly on the word of an unhappy but adoring mother that never under any circumstances not even to save my life will i ever mention the subject again this shall be the last time but it is absolutely necessary maria alexandrovna counted upon the effect of her words and with reason speak then said zina growing whiter every moment thank you zina two years ago there came to the house to teach your little brother mitya since dead a tutor why do you begin so solemnly mamma why all this eloquence all this quite unnecessary details which are painful to me and only too well known to both of us cried zina with a sort of irritated disgust because my dear child i your mother felt in some degree bound to justify myself before you and also because i wished to present this whole question to you from an entirely new point of view and not from that mistaken position which you are accustomed to take up with regard to it and because lastly i think you will thus better understand the conclusion at which i shall arrive upon the whole question do not think dear child that i wish to trifle with your heart no zina you will find in me a real mother and perhaps with tears streaming from your eyes you will ask and beseech at my feet at the feet of the mean woman as you have just called me yes and pray for that reconciliation which you have rejected so long that's why i wish to recall all zina all that has happened from the very beginning and without this i shall not speak at all speak then repeated zina cursing the necessity for her mother's eloquence from the very bottom of her heart i continue then zina this tutor 
a master of the parish school almost a boy makes upon you what is to me a totally inexplicable impression i built too much upon my confidence in your good sense or your noble pride and principally upon the fact of his insignificance i must speak out to allow myself to harbor the slightest suspicion of you and then you suddenly come to me one fine day and state that you intend to marry the man zina it was putting a knife to my heart i gave a shriek and lost consciousness but of course you remember all this of course i thought it my duty to use all my power over you which power you call tyranny think for yourself a boy the son of a deacon receiving a salary of twelve roubles a month a writer of weak verses which are printed out of pity in the library of short readings a man a boy who could talk of nothing but that accursed shakespeare this boy to be the husband of zenaida moskalikoff forgive me zina but the very thought of it all makes me wild i rejected him of course but no power would stop you your father only blinked his eyes as usual and could not even understand what i was telling him about you continued your relations with this boy even giving him rendezvous and worst of all you allow yourself to correspond with him rumors now begin to flit about town i am assailed with hints they blow their trumpets of joy and triumph and suddenly all my fears and anticipations are verified you and he quarrel over something or other he shows himself to be a boy i can't call him a man who is utterly unworthy of you and threatens to show your letters all over the town on hearing this threat you beside yourself with irritation boxed his ears yes zina i am aware of even that fact i know it all all but to continue the wretched boy shows one of your letters the very same day to the near duel zanshin and within an hour natalie dmitrievna holds it in her hands my deadly enemy the same evening the miserable fellow attempts to put an end to himself in remorse in a word there is a fearful scandal stirred up that slut nastasia comes panting to me with the dreadful news she tells me that natalie dmitrievna has had your letter for a whole hour in a couple of hours the whole town will learn of your foolishness i bore it all i did not fall down in a swoon but oh the blows the blows you dealt to my heart zina that shameless scum of the earth nastasia says she will get the letter back for two hundred roubles i myself run over in thin shoes too through the snow to the jew baumstein and pledge my diamond clasps a keepsake of my dear mother's in a couple of hours the letter is in my hands nastasia has stolen it she had broken open a desk and your honor was safe but what a dreadful day you had sentenced me to live i noticed some gray hairs among my raven locks for the first time next morning zina you have judged this boy's action yourself now you can admit now and perhaps smile a bitter smile over the admission that it was beyond the limits of good sense to wish to entrust your fate to this youth but since that fatal time you are wretched my child you are miserable you cannot forget him or rather not him for he was never worthy of you 
but you cannot forget the phantom of your past joy this wretched young fellow is now on the point of death consumption they say and you angel of goodness that you are you do not wish to marry while he is alive because you fear to harass him in his last days because to this day he is miserable with jealousy though i am convinced that he never loved you in the best and highest sense of the word i know well that hearing of moskaliakov's proposal to you he has been in a flutter of jealousy and has spied upon you and your actions ever since and you you have been merciful to him my child and oh god knows how i have watered my pillow with tears for you oh mother do drop all this sort of thing cried zina with inexpressible agony in her tone surely we needn't hear all about your pillow she added sharply can't we get on without all this declamation and pirouetting you do not believe me zina oh do not look so unfriendly at me my child my eyes have not been dry these two years i have hidden my tears from you but i am changed zina mine much changed and in many ways i have long known of your feelings zina but i admit i have only lately realized the depth of your mental anguish can you blame me my child have i looked upon this attachment of yours as romanticism called into being by that accursed shakespeare who shoves his nose in everywhere where he isn't wanted what mother would blame me for my fears of that kind for my measures for the severity of my judgment but now understanding as i do and realizing your two years suffering i can estimate the depth of your real feelings believe me i understand you far better than you understand yourself i am convinced that you love not him not this unnatural boy but your lost happiness your broken hopes your cracked idol i have loved too perhaps more deeply than yourself i too have suffered i too have lost my exalted ideals and seen them levelled with the earth and therefore who can blame me now and above all can you blame me now if i consider a marriage with the prince to be the one saving the one essential move left to you in your present position zina listened to this long declamation with surprise she knew well that her mother never adopted this tone without good reason however this last and unexpected conclusion fairly amazed her you don't mean to say you seriously entertain the idea of marrying me to this prince she cried bewildered and gazing at her mother almost with alarm that this is no mere idea no project no flighty inspiration but your deliberate intention i have guessed right then and pray how is this marriage going to save me and why is it essential to me in my present position and and what has all this to do with what you have been talking about i cannot understand you mother not a bit and i can't understand angel mine how you cannot see the connection of it all cried maria alexandrovna in her turn in the first place you would pass into new society into a new world you would leave forever this loathsome little town so full of sad memories for you where you meet neither friends nor kindness where they have bullied and maligned you where all these these magpies hate you because you are good-looking you could go abroad this very spring to italy switzerland spain to spain zina where the alhambra is and where the guadalquiver flows 
no wretched little stream like this of ours but one moment mother you talk as though i were married already or at least as if the prince had made me an offer oh no oh dear no don't bother yourself about that my angel i know what i'm talking about let me proceed i've said my firstly now then for my secondly i understand dear child with what loathing you would give your hand to that moskaliakoff i know without your telling me so that i shall never be his wife cried zina angrily and with flashing eyes if only you knew my angel how i understand and enter into your loathing for him it is dreadful to view before the altar that you will love a man whom you cannot love how dreadful to belong to one whom you cannot esteem and he insists on your love he only marries you for love i can see by the way he looks at you why deceive ourselves i have suffered from the same thing for twenty-five years your father ruined me he so to speak sucked up my youth you have seen my tears many a time father's away in the country don't touch him please said zina i know you always take his part oh zina my very heart trembled within me when i thought to arrange your marriage with moskaliakoff for financial reasons i trembled for the consequences but with the prince it is different you need not deceive him you cannot be expected to give him your love not your love oh no and he is not in a state to ask it of you good heavens what nonsense i do assure you you are in error from the very step from the first and most important step understand that i do not care to make a martyr of myself for some unknown reason know also that i shall not marry any one at all i shall remain a maid you have bitten my head off for the last two years because i would not marry well you must accept the fact and make the best of it that's all i can say and so it shall be but zina darling my zina don't be so cross before you have heard me out what a hot-headed little person you are to be sure let me show you the matter from my point of view and you'll agree with me you really will the prince will live a year two at most and surely it is better to be a young widow than a decayed old maid not to mention the fact that you will be a princess free rich independent i dare say you look with contempt upon all those calculations founded upon his death but i am a mother and what mother will blame me for my foresight and if you my angel of kindness are unwilling to marry even now out of tenderness for that wretched boy's feelings oh think think how by marrying this prince you will rejoice his heart and soothe and comfort his soul for if he has a single particle of common sense he must understand that jealousy of this old man were too absurd too ridiculous he will understand that you marry him for money for convenience that stern necessity compels you to it and lastly he will understand that that well i simply wish to say that upon the prince's death you will be at liberty to marry whomsoever you please that's a truly simple arrangement all i have to do is to marry this prince rob him of his money and then count upon his death in order to marry my lover you are a clever arithmetician mamma you do your sums and get your totals nicely you wish to seduce me by offering me this oh i understand you mamma 
I understand you well. You cannot resist the expression of your noble sentiments and exalted ideas, even in the manufacture of a nasty business. Why can't you say simply and straightforwardly, Zina, this is a dirty affair, but it will pay us, so please agree with me. At all events, that would be candid and frank on your part. But, my dear child, why, why look at it from this point of view? Why look at it under the light of suspicion as deceit, and low cunning, and covetousness? You consider my calculations as meanness, as deceit? But by all that is good and true, where is the meanness? Show me the deceit. Look at yourself in the glass. You are so beautiful, that a kingdom would be a fair price for you. And suddenly you, you, the possessor of this divine beauty, sacrifice yourself, in order to soothe the last years of an old man's life. You would be like a beautiful star, shedding your light over the evening of his days. You would be like the fresh green ivy, twining in and about his old age, not the stinging nettle that this wretched woman at his place is, fastening herself upon him, and thirstily sucking his blood. Surely his money, his rank are not worthy of being put in the scales beside you. Where is the meanness of it? Where is the deceit of all this? You don't know what you are saying, Zina. I suppose they are worthy of being weighted against me, if I am to marry a cripple for them. No, mother, however you look at it, it is deceit, and you can't get out of that. On the contrary, my dear child, I can look at it from a high, almost from an exalted, nay, Christian point of view. You yourself told me once, in a fit of temporary insanity of some sort, that you wished to be a sister of charity. You had suffered. You said your heart could love no more. If then you cannot love, turn your thoughts to the higher aspect of the case. This poor old man has also suffered. He is unhappy. I have known him, and felt the deepest sympathy towards him, akin to love, for many a year. Be his friend, his daughter, be his plaything even, if you like, but warm his old heart, and you are doing a good work, a virtuous, kind, noble work of love. He may be funny to look at. Don't think of that. He's but half a man. Pity him. You are a Christian girl. Do whatever is right by him, and this will be medicine for your own heart wounds. Employment, action, all this will heal you too. And where is the deceit here? But you do not believe me. Perhaps you think that I am deceiving myself when I thus talk of duty and of action. You think that I, a woman of the world, have no right to good feeling and the promptings of duty and virtue. Very well. Do not trust me. If you like, insult me. Do what you please to your poor mother. But you will have to admit that her wants carry the stamp of good sense. They are saving words. Imagine that someone else is talking to you, not I. Shut your eyes and fancy that some invisible being is speaking. What is worrying you is the idea that all this is for money, a sort of sale or purchase. Very well, then refuse the money, if it is so loathsome to your eyes. Leave just as much as is absolutely necessary for yourself, and give the rest to the poor. Help him, if you like, the poor fellow who lies there a-dying. He would never accept my help, muttered Zina, as though to herself. He would not, but his mother would, said Maria Alexandrovna. She would take it, and keep her secret. You sold your earrings, a present from your aunt, half a year or so ago, and helped her. I know all about it. 
I know, too, that the woman washes linen in order to support her unfortunate son. He will soon be where he requires no more help. I know, I understand your hints, Maria Alexandrovna sighed a real sigh. They say he is in a consumption and must die. But who says so? I asked the doctor the other day, because, having a tender heart, Zina, I felt interested in the poor fellow. The doctor said that he was convinced the malady was not consumption, that it was dangerous, no doubt, but still not consumption, only some severe affection of the lungs. Ask him yourself. He certainly told me that under different conditions, change of climate and of his style of living, the sick man might well recover. He said, and I have read it too somewhere, that off Spain there was a wonderful island called Malaga. I think it was Malaga. Anyhow, the name was like some wine, where only ordinary sufferers from chest maladies, but even consumptive patients, recover entirely, solely by virtue of the climate, and that sick people go there on purpose to be cured. Oh, but Spain, the Alhambra alone, and the lemons, and the riding on mules, all this is enough in itself to impress a poetical nature. You think he would not accept your help, your money, for such a journey? Very well. Deceit is permissible, where it may save a man's life. Give him hope, too. Promise him your love. Promise to marry him when you are a widow. Anything in the world can be said with care and tact. Your own mother would not counsel you to an ennoble deed, Zina. You will do as I say, to save this boy's life, and with this object everything is permissible. You will revive his hope. He will himself begin to think of his health, and listen to what the doctor says to him. He will do his best to resuscitate his dead happiness, and if he gets well again, even if you never marry him, you will have saved him, raised him from the dead. I can look at him with some sympathy, I admit, I can, now. Perhaps sorrow has changed him for the better, and I say frankly, if he should be worthy of you, when you become a widow, marry him, by all means. You will be rich, then, and independent. You can not only cure him, but having done so, you can give him a position in the world, a career. Your marriage to him will then be possible and pardonable, not, as now, an absolute impossibility. But what would become of both of you, were you to be capable of such madness now? Universal contempt, beggary, smacking little boys, which is part of his duty, the reading of Shakespeare, perpetual hopeless life is Mordasoff, and lastly his certain death, which will undoubtedly take place before long unless he is taken away from here. While, if you resuscitate him, if you raise him from the dead, as it were, you raise him to a good, useful, and virtuous life. He may then enter public life, make himself rank and a name, at the least, even if he must die, he will die happy, at peace with himself, in your arms, for he will be by then assured of your love and forgiveness of the past, and lying beneath the scent of myrtles and lemons, beneath the tropical sky of the south. Oh, Zina, all this is within your grasp, and all, all is gain, yes, and all to be had by merely marrying this prince." Maria Alexandrovna broke off, and for several minutes there was silence. Not a word was said on either side. Zina was in a state of indescribable agitation. 
I say indescribable, because I will not attempt to describe Zina's feelings. I cannot guess at them, but I think that Maria Alexandrovna had found the road to her heart. Not knowing how her words had sped with her daughter, Maria Alexandrovna now began to work her busy brain to imagine and prepare herself for every possible humour that Zina might prove to be in. But at last she concluded that she had happened upon the right track after all. Her rude hand had touched the secret place in Zina's heart, but her crude and absurd sentimental twaddle had not blinded her daughter. However, that doesn't matter, thought the mother. All I care to do is to make her think. I wish my ideas to stick. So she reflected, and she gained her end. The effect was made. The arrow reached the mark. Zina had listened hungrily as her mother spoke. Her cheeks were burning. Her breast heaved. Listen, mother, she said at last, with decision, though the sudden pallor of her face showed clearly what the decision had cost her. Listen, mother. But at this moment a sudden noise in the entrance hall, and a shrill female voice, asking for Maria Alexandrovna, interrupted Zina, while her mother jumped up from her chair. "'Oh, the devil fly away with this magpie of a woman!' cried the latter furiously. "'Why, I nearly drove her out by force only a fortnight ago,' she added, almost in despair. "'I can't. I can't receive her now.' "'Zina, this question is too important to be put off.' She must have news for me, or she would never have dared to come. I won't receive the old... Oh, how glad I am to see you, dear Sofia Petrovna. What lucky chance brought you to see me? What a charming surprise, said Maria Alexandrovna, advancing to receive her guest. Zina escaped out of the room. End of chapter 5 Recording by Greg Giordano Newport Ritchie, Florida